if uh, you're not still in Proverbs 23, go ahead and open back to that spot, Proverbs 23. James was asking me beforehand, he was like, are you sure that's the only verse? I was like, yeah, I'm just going to read that, and then we're going to call it. I'm going to be done with the sermon. So um, That's not exactly what's going to happen this morning, but I will say this. Um, I, think, I think all my lessons are pretty simple. I think maybe sometimes I make them a little more complicated than they should be. Um, but this lesson particularly this morning, I don't have a ton of uh, scriptures that we're going to be turning to. I don't have a lot of elaborate points to be made, but rather some simple ones. Um, and some challenges to make uh, more than anything. Um, So with that, I I just want to repeat what James read for us again, just so this short verse is fresh in our minds. Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 23, reads, Buy truth, don't sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. I think it's it's a principle, or it's an idea that is easy to understand, right? It's easy for us to kind of wrap our heads around the idea of valuing truth, right? I think our pursuits in life generally kind of center around this, even if we're aware or not of it, right? We value relationships where there's honesty. Uh, We value employers that are straightforward with us. Um, We like to know the terms and conditions of any kind of arrangement that we're in, right? If our lease has some hidden rules or bylaws in it, we don't appreciate that, right? We kind of understand this just in a practical way, whether or not we would express it this way or not. We kind of understand this to be true. Um, In school, right, we're taught to know the right answer, right, to whatever question is given in whatever curriculum that we're studying. And so I think as we read this proverb, this one section of uh, Proverbs, the big book here, of these kind of truisms, right? Um, we think about this and we read, buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. And so if we understand what Proverbs are, right? It's this is kind of these collected sayings of wisdom, these truisms that if we can kind of guide our life by these principles, um, we're going to be living in kind of, and I think the effort of Proverbs is to be living in a godly way. Um, in these truisms. And certainly I want to kind of explore what this is, not necessarily, you know, all the ins and outs of what it means to buy truth, though I think that's an important concept for kind of us to understand. But I want us to talk a little bit just about what this is and why it matters. Um, And it issue for us some challenges with that. Um. Matthew chapter 13, if you would turn there with me as well, I think expresses this sentiment, uh, but it uses different imagery to express it. Matthew chapter 13, we'll read verses 44 through 46 here. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The proverb that we read uh, just a moment ago, 
uh, speaks of truth in the sense of what is sure and what is known. Um, if I, I looked up what that word truth was there, and that's kind of the idea there, right? What we understand to be truth. Whatever is truth, whatever is true, is sure, is known, is right, value that thing. Um, and I think in this, these two parables here, if we want to uh, refer to them in this, we're identifying one particular truth, right? The proverb identifies truths in the sense of whatever you experience that is a truth. Keep that thing, right? But in this parable, or in these parables, we identify one particular truth, the kingdom of heaven, right? We're going to focus in on that truth in these two parables. And I would think if we take the, the mentality of the proverb, hold on to that truth, don't sell it, buy it, um, and that's expressed in these. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So the kingdom of heaven is the truth we're dealing with here. A man finds and covers up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. If we hold to kind of this mentality of this proverb, the kingdom of heaven is the truth observed in this. Um, and this guy that covers it up in this field, as he seeks it out, he doesn't really count the cost of what he has to sell in buying the truth back, right? Um, in, this, in this parable, the truth is more valuable than the other things that he has. And in fact, the proverb doesn't even tell us to consider what it is you're selling, right? It says, buy the truth and don't sell it, right? There's no value in comparison to the truth that could be gained in selling it, Right? Truth is something that is so valuable that no matter what's offered to you for it, it's not worth selling out. Um, and I think that's expressed, or at least understood in this parable, to be that this guy, kind of the alternative, he's willing to sell anything, right? The converse. He's willing to give up whatever it is to obtain the truth. Um, and so whichever way we're looking at truth, Whichever way we kind of start with it, whether we have it and someone's offering us something to give it up, it's not worth it, right? Whatever that thing is. Or whether we're trying to obtain truth and we're having to give up something to attain it, it's worth whatever price that might be called for, right? Either way, the truth stands with no equal in its value, right? And I think the proverb expresses it beautifully, and I think these parables kind of address it from the other end. Um, again, verse 45 and 46 say the same thing. Kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine, uh, fine pearls, who, in finding the one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Right? Again, its value is surpassing of anything else that merchant had known. Right? And he was willing to sell whatever he had to obtain it. And so I think... These are simple principles, right? We get it. We, we value truth. At least we try to. We value um, what it is to know the thing that is sure, right? But I would uh, like us to talk a little bit about not so much just what we might say are various truths, right? Um, but I want to talk about, since we've been going through the book of John, um, Jesus, right? Being the ultimate, as we've studied John, being the ultimate revelation of truth. And in, him, in himself and his person is truth. And so I want us to talk a little bit about that. Um, so turn with me to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. Verse 
I, I was reminded of this question uh, when we were studying it just a week ago or so. In um, John chapter 18, verse 38, we have uh, Pilate's question there that I think is a fundamental and poignant question. You know, what is truth, right? What is truth? That's the kind of the question we have to, I mean, we have to ask that question in our life, right? What is truth? It's a fair question to ask when we take it for its face value, right? What is truth? It's an appropriate question to be asked. It's a necessary question to even be asked. Um, and so as we ask ourselves maybe that question as far as we relate it to the proverb, right? Buy truth and sell it not. By wisdom and understanding. Um, by wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We have to ask ourselves, well, what is the truth I'm supposed to be buying? And certainly there's a lot of things I can point to. The parable talked about the kingdom of heaven being like that truth, right? But the one truth that I want to point to this morning is if we move back just a couple chapters to chapter 14. Richard referenced it. Certainly it's on our minds probably fairly consistently, especially as we consider John. The crux of the matter is this in verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if I was to pick one truth, and I mean that in the sense of like, if I was just going to be able to in one shot point to the thing that I'm going to buy and not sell, I would say it's the person of Jesus, right? Even by his own claim, he is the truth, right? In the, and pardon my expression this, but in the truest sense, in the most fulfilled sense, he is the truth. Um, and so certainly while we understand that the proverb uh, is expressing whatever is truth, right? Buy that. Don't sell it. I would say the greatest sense in which that is true is with Jesus. Um, we need to consider that Jesus has no equal. There is no thing that we could trade for Jesus that we would be missing out. Right? That we would have gotten the lesser end of that trade if we were returning with Jesus. Um, and so with that said, Je Jesus of course identifies himself as being the truth in verse 6 here. Um, and so we kind of need to ask ourselves, what, what's it mean that if Jesus, if we're going to answer Jesus for this truth, right? What's it look like to sell him? Right? Like if we take kind of this this stance of the proverb, right? Whatever is true, hold on to that thing. I'm taking the essence of the proverb here. Whatever is true is we're holding on to that thing. We're not selling it out for something else, right? Um, before we can directly answer that question, I kind of want us to move to chapter 8 as well of John. Uh, we will get to that question, what is it like to sell Jesus for something? Um, but before we get there, I want to look at John chapter 8. I think to see John 8 is to begin to see the value of truth as it relates um, to God, and particularly as Jesus claims to be the truth. In John chapter 8, let's look at verse 31 here. John eight thirty one reads, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right Now, as Jesus speaks here, um, I understand him to speak somewhat accom accommodatively for his audience, right? Like, if you, uh, if you abide in the word, you're my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, ultimately, we can kind of see 
um, how circular that is because he is the word and he is the truth and if he abides in them, they will know that, right? And so we understand this to be, ultimately, if Jesus is, as John 14, as he claims, he is the truth, he's claiming that he can set free, right? That he has the ability to release, and as we understand scripture to mean, release them from whatever's holding them back from God, right? Release them from their faults and their sins, and release them from whatever other things might be hindering them in that. He is able to set them free. And so I think we begin to, just in a couple verses here, because this isn't really the point of the lesson, to see the value of truth as it pertains to Jesus, right? Um, obviously, he's true, and that's valuable just in the sense of um, us valuing the right thing versus the wrong thing, the sure thing versus the unreliable thing. Um, but it's certainly true as it relates to us, and it's important as it relates to us because this verse begins to tell us why it matters, right? There is some sense in the ability to be freed by the truth, right? Um, And so I want us to begin to address kind of this question or this idea of selling Jesus for something else. And that's really, I think, where the challenge of this lesson comes out because I think Um, or I at least hope most of us in this room at least in principle value the truth, right? We value the pursuit of truth, what is sure, what is right, what we can know. Um, But I would also say that sometimes, though we value that, we don't really realize what it means to buy it versus selling it. Um, I think practically speaking, uh, in, in a principled sort of, or in a principled way, I value the truth, right? Me personally, Josh, I value the truth. I value, um, and even as we made the connection, Jesus, I value Jesus. I see him as kind of the ultimate form or the perfect form or complete form of truth. But do I, from day to day, in more of an application sort of way, sell him off for something? I'm principled in that I think that I value him, but... Do my actions say that really I'm willing to sell them off for something else? Um, And I think there's a couple ways that we can kind of examine that and see, am I really doing that? Um, Look look in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, the verse that we're going to read and focus in on is verse 4. This is coming kind of in this greater conversation uh, in Romans of, particularly as verse 1 of chapter 3 kind of starts to begin to question it, you know, is it really an advantage for the Jew to have had the law given to them, right? And that's kind of the natural question that arises in chapter 3. And we get to, uh, kind of the answer is, well, of course, right? The Jews uh, were entrusted with the oracles of God. That's something, right? But the next natural question that arises is, in verse 3, it says, Well, what if some were unfaithful? Does their faithfulness nullify the faithfulness of God? And that leads us to verse 4. By no means let God be true, though everyone were a liar, as it is written, though you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. Um, I just wanted to focus in on this verse because I think this conceptually is useful when we're thinking about truth. And I understand the 
I understand kind of we're pulling this out of context a little bit here, but I think the concept is true. Uh, isn't it so that we would all say, let God be true, every, even though every one of us a liar? Um, certainly, I think we understand that kind of conceptually. Um, there is no falsehood or lies in God, right? That claim is made throughout the gospel, and I think all of us would see that as being true. There's no error in him. And so conceptually that is true, but what I wanted to bring out in this is this. Um, the question is asked, what, what of the unfaithfulness of others? Does that nullify the faithfulness of God? The question right before this verse. And I want to use that to kind of springboard into this. If I've bought truth, if I've seen Jesus and his truth, and I say, that's something that I value, right? And I'm going to hold on to that. But then the actions of other people or the example of other people cause me to waver in that truth, right? The, the, the unfaithfulness of others, as it puts it in this verse, and other places, there's certainly other places that we could turn to to see this example. Is that going to cause me to say, as it were, God is a liar. This is not the true thing, and I'm willing to sell it out for something else. Um, certainly we can turn to other passages that give us this example of people falling away. Paul talks about how he prays constantly and even sheds tears over those who are leaving the truth. But did that cause Paul to sell the truth for something uh, and so I just say that to say, do our outside circumstances reflect our value of truth? The things that are going on around us diminish the true value of Jesus. Um, I think that's something that we're challenged with, right? Um, in my head and in my own little bubble, I might value something, but because my friends do or don't value it, or because my job do or doesn't value that thing, it can make me kind of change my stance. I remember when I was in school, uh, elementary school, this was a long time ago, uh, people started getting into Pokemon, right? Uh, and so I didn't think it was like the coolest thing ever at first. I was like, I'm not really sure about this. This is kind of weird. But everybody started like, I thought, oh, this will pass, right? But everybody stuck with it. It didn't go away. And so then I was like, well, I'm going to get into this. Right? Like it wasn't my thing at first, but then I kind of got into it as time rolled on because people around me really like began to value it and do it and participate in it. Super silly example, but I think we kind of recognize that happens, right? Like I didn't value it at first, but because of the influence of people around me, I started to value it and ended up playing Pokemon for years and years and years all through elementary school and middle school, right? We do that, though, right? We do that with more important things than Pokemon. We do that with relationships, and we do that with the jobs we have and the titles we carry and the shows we watch. We do it with everything. Do we do that with Jesus? Do we let Jesus' value fluctuate like the stock market because of the company we keep? Um, that's one challenge that I think we have to address and be willing to tackle this is my value of jesus fluctuate based on my circumstances or is it is it solid because there's truth the next thing that i want to talk about 
and again, is uh, is in Romans, but it's in chapter one here. Um, and I'm in verse twenty four and twenty five. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So, whoever is the object of these verses, right, has done something. Verse 24 tells us that on some level they had been given up to the lusts of their hearts and to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And then it goes on to say, and this is really what I want to get at, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creator rather than the, uh, the creature rather than the creator. And I just want to kind of hone in on that concept of they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Uh, we won't get into all the, like, the context of Romans 1. Uh, Romans is certainly a complicated book. I don't pretend to even understand it all, but... I can understand that, right? Something's going on here, and there was an exchange made. And it specifically points out that that exchange is the truth for a lie, right? Um, Some of us, and certainly other people, don't value truth like we should, like the Proverbs writer said. Right, like Solomon said in his wisdom, buy truth and don't sell it. Well, in this case, some people sold it. Right. And of course, in these verses, we see a little bit more about how that looked, right? They served the creature rather than the creator. Uh, maybe it was a specific way in which it was manifested. right? But the root problem was because they sold the truth of God for something that was false. And so, again, I think this illustrates for us that uh, if we aren't principled in such a way as the Proverbs writer tries to help us be, this is the kind of road we can go down, right? When we, when we value truth based on circumstances and not just because it's truth, we can end up doing kind of what we see here and we just sell it off when the time is right. Perhaps when it's most valuable to make a profit, it's time to get rid of it, right? When it's most convenient. And so, and even in this passage, I would say, just as we looked in Romans 3, just kind of this principle of circumstantial value on truth. This passage also tells us that we can sell things off because we desire something else, right? It's not just because our friends or our family or our colleagues or whatever do or don't value something else or the same thing as us, but rather because I want something else. Romans 1 saying that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. In verse 24 it says that they were given up to the lust of their heart to impurity. They wanted something, right? They wanted to do, and so God allowed them to do, and so they exchanged truth for a lie. Do I want something other than truth? That's kind of another big question we have to answer. Not only do I let truth be more or less valuable depending on my company, but is truth not even the thing that I really want? If it's not, then when the time comes, 
I'm going to sell it off for whatever it is I do want. Um, and so that's another challenge for myself, number one. But you guys, number two, is are we, and I mean we as are you individually, so collectively are we, really valuing what is true? And as we pointed out, Jesus is the ultimate truth, right? Are we really valuing Jesus? Or is there something else that we value more? And so when the time's right, we're just going to sell them out for that thing. And the last point that I, I wanted to make is in uh, the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 4 and uh, verse 16 is what the verse we'll read here. Galatians four sixteen. So, if Jesus is the ultimate truth that we need to be buying... And I say that to say we need to value, and we don't need to give him up for just whatever comes around, right? Um, not if our circumstances are changing, and so other people don't value Jesus like I should or I want to. That, that doesn't mean we need to value him less. Um, and if there's something else that I want, I need to fight that, because it might cause me to sell out the value of Jesus. Um, but this last last section here in, in Galatians chapter 4, uh, the Galatians, of course, in this book were tempted to go back to the old law because they were coming from a Jewish background, and that's all addressed throughout the book. In verse 9, particularly of, uh, of chapter 4 here, he reads, or he says, uh, Galatians 4, 9 says, but now that you've come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Moving down to verse 16 here. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? That's kind of the big question I imagine Paul asks himself a lot at night as he was writing all these people all the time and going to these churches is he felt probably like an enemy some of the places he went, Right? You can imagine he maybe felt that at some points with the Corinthians. He even kind of expresses that a little bit in 2 Corinthians. Um, but he was trying to uphold the thing that he knew, right? The truth of Jesus was the thing that he had bought and refused to sell. And he didn't want other people to sell it out for something else. In verse 9, like we had just read, apparently that they were trying to return again to the weak as... Paul phrases it, the weak and worthless elementary principles of this world, right? And kind of a broad stroke, that's what they were trying to sell this off for, a return to that. Um, and so the reason I brought this up is, in the context of Galatians, whatever it is um, particularly that is causing them to want to go back to that, whether it's family, tradition, those sorts of things. They had to see that for what it was. And ultimately, Paul has to ask the question in verse 16, have I become your enemy by wanting to tell you the truth? If I value the truth and you value the truth, right? And then something happens to me where I'm starting to change, I'm giving that up, I'm moving away from that, right? You have a responsibility to me as someone who values the truth to try to help me see that, 
right? Um, it's just like with little kids, we try to tell them things that are true so they don't hurt themselves, right? Uh, just on a very basic level, we might tell them, <laughs> don't stick a paper clip in the outlet in the wall, right? Like, don't do that. Also, don't just run across the street whenever you feel like it without looking, Right? Silly little things like that that maybe we tell kids. Similarly, Paul had tried to do that spiritually for this group of people. And he has to ask them, get them to kind of answer the question, am I your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Uh, I think that's a question we have to be ready to ask ourselves if we begin to leave the truth. As if somebody pres- tries to show us truth, do we value truth enough to where we would be honest in our examination of that, that that is what we want, we want to know the truth, or are we set against the truth so that whoever tries to bring it to us is our enemy? Have we sold off the truth for whatever it is that we want or we want to do or whatever, so that it can't even come back without looking like an enemy? Um, Those are kind of the three big challenges that I was thinking of with this lesson that you know, especially as we've been going through John, just Jesus saying, uh, talking about truth so much, how he is the truth, the word abides in him, and he in the Father, all these things. Um, it got me thinking about this stuff again. <clears throat> but I want us to think about all this, um, as Proverbs 23 said, by the, by the truth and sell it not. Are we really holding fast to Jesus? Uh, or are we because of our circumstances, or because of what we really want to do, selling him for those things, selling him for relationships, or selling him for sinful desire. So much so that those who try to show him to us again might be regarded as enemies. Um, That's not a place I want any of us to be in. It's not a place that I want to be in. Um, But it's something to consider. Um, Obviously... There are a lot of truths we could talk about this morning that I think fit into what the Proverbs, the proverb meant. Um, there are a lot of various truths to even valuing Jesus, right? Um, but on a broad level, broad stroke, do I value the things of God and do I value Jesus the way I ought to? That's not something I can answer for you. That's something you have to think about on your own and compare what uh, you know and what you think to what God's telling you. Uh, But I'd encourage all of us to be honest in that examination um, and to really approach those challenges um, with an honest heart. Examine yourself when you're around other people. Do you feel more or less strongly about truth and holding on to that? Or would you be more tempted to sell it? And that's something we have to be honest with. Um, Is there something in your life that you know is not true, but you'd rather have than truth? Uh, If if so, that's something you need to be honest about. And if you find yourself answering yes to either one of those questions, um, I'm sure anyone in this room or someone you're comfortable with, share that with them and try to figure out ways to kind of overcome that. Prayer is certainly a good thing, and all of us here would be willing to pray for you if you find yourself in that situation. Uh, But we'd also be willing to do kind of whatever else you might request of us to help you through that. We're not here to make fun of you for that, and we're not here to revel in your weakness or your weak moment or whatever. 
We're here to just try to be honest and help each other. So if you find yourself in that position, seek out help. If you don't find yourself in your position, that position, be thankful to God for that. Um, continue to grow and be strong because there will be a time you do find yourself in that position. Um, Satan's working to make that happen. So be thankful you're not there now, uh, but be preparing for when that temptation comes. Well, I appreciate everybody paying attention this morning, and uh, I thank you for being here.